what? I got a fever. You give me fever, fever in the morning. Fever all through the night. Welcome to episode 62 of the Dynasty Fever podcast. Uh, please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review. I'm Brian Ford here with my co-host, Jesse Schneeman. Jesse, how you doing? I'm great. I see you're laughing. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So episode 62, we, we've been doing some Jersey numbers lately. And Dallas, they have been um, Jets, old Jets, because I grew up a, a, a Jets fan. But this mm-hmm. one's going to be dedicated to you. But before we get there... Jesse, why don't you introduce who our guest is tonight for our first rookie mock of the offseason. So from the Dynasty Warzone Network, host of the rookie rundown, we have Dallas Hyder at Salad Galore on Twitter, the Twitters, the the Twitters, and probably Instagram. <laughs> and it's not the same on Instagram, but yeah, I'm on there. Okay, right That's on. That's Salad with two L's, Dallas backwards. So yep. this is the... Um, this is the rookie expert on the network um, that I also podcast on. Uh, Dallas, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm officially in the thick thick swing of mocks is how I would say it. So I've been doing them basically nonstop ever since I found out that the Bears had the number one overall pick. So it's uh, fun to kind of start the process all again with just exclusively rookies on our fantasy teams as well. So pretty good on so- my end. Speaking of the Bears, uh, dedicated to you, episode 62 is Mark Bortz. Are you familiar with Mark Bortz? Nope. <laughs> so uh, nicknamed Bortzilla, according to Pro Football Reference, he was uh, a guard for the Bears. Uh, I want to say in the 70s, something like that. So, yeah. So that's dedicated Casual to you. 20, 20-ish years before I was born. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, so... We're going to do a uh, rookie mock folks going to be two rounds. Uh, we kind of, we did a, we pre-selected our picks, you know, to kind of make it a little more organized and know what we wanted to talk about. Um, we're basing this on uh, uh, like an AI generated uh, mock draft from NFL mock draft database. I was a little finicky and ran several because the first few picks I just didn't like they words weren't realistic. I'm thinking about it now that that was probably less important because the top of the draft is going to be the top of the mock. And Mm -hmm. so it really doesn't matter too much where the quarterbacks go. I just got really frustrated. (laughs) And what I wound up, you know, doing was giving us a mock as we're going to talk about tonight. that didn't have a lot of great landing spots for, for some players uh, that, that, that we like. So um, let's get right into it, I guess. So uh, pick one oh one. you know, uh, not going to take too much time talking about this. I, I chose, I chose Bijan, right? Uh, we're talking about uh, an elite talent at a position uh, where he's going to be a separator, especially because of the way the NFL deploys running backs these days, um, you know, does pretty much everything. Well, he's not going to be a burner at the combine. He doesn't need to be, um, you know, I, I mean, it's Bijan, right? We all know he's he's the one hundred and one for months. Um, slight concern over the landing spot in this uh, mock. I'll, I'll mention that he went to the Ravens at twenty-two. Um, you know, with Dobbins already there and their penchant for rotating running backs. You know, you kind of don't love that, but it's it's F and Bijan, so you know he's one hundred and one. Right on. Any uh, 
Any anything extra to say about that or Bijan's Bijan and we're moving on? No argument for me. I mean, the, the, that landing spot would be a heartbreaker. Yeah, especially with how good that down the stretch Dobbins looked. I don't think that's a realistic pick based off the mock. Um, yeah. I also, I mean, I always have a little bit of, of an issue not taking a quarterback 101 overall when you have guys at like even this caliber. They may not be the Joe Burrows or the Trevor Lawrence is coming out, but it's always a little hard for me to do if I'm picking that high to not take a quarterback. Typically you need one in the super flex, mm-hmm. um, but Bijan's basically Saquon 2.0 athletically mm-hmm. coming out. So it makes sense. I don't have yeah. a fault. And it should be noted in some leagues where my team was bad enough to have the one-on-one and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't own it from some other process. I may trade out and get the yeah. haul. And, you know, uh, because if I'm not going to be competitive till 24, 25, not that Bijan's going to be old by then or, or bad by then, but, you know, he's scoring points on my roster for a year or two when I could, you know, turn him into like a million assets. So yeah. something to worth thinking about. Yeah. Now hear me out though. So uh, don't trade, I mean, trade him if somebody, yeah, gives you everything in the world that you want, but make sure that that's exactly what you want that mm-hmm. is what you're getting. You know what I mean? I, I just, once he is playing and showing that, you know, he's, you know, living up to, you know, he's, he's definitely going to go up in value. Mm, yeah. You know, if, if you believe in Bijan the way I do, uh, I believe he's definitely landing spot proof. He's going to go up in value by mid season. He's, he's going to be worth way more he, than he is as the one Oh one, which sounds odd, but just think of the way JT rose, right? He was really good, really good, really good, really good. Boom. Mm-hmm. You know, number one running back in football. Bijan's going to be in the number one, the 101, running back 101 before the season starts. Mm. But then it's just going to, he's just, he's going to ascend at some point to this sort of like mythical figure. Mm-hmm. And you can get so, so much more for him at that point. Like JT and two or three first. I don't know. Something crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, I'm just saying, just be careful. Just be careful trading him now and make sure that, make sure that it's, it's really an elite package, at least, at least three first level assets first round level high first round level assets i would say all right well jesse to you at 102 102 i took stroud and that's based on the landing spot to the seahawks right so if that really happens the seahawks don't or do give geno smith a contract if they give give geno smith a one-year or a two-year contract with a one-year out something like that I'm not really worried about it, right? I'm drafting CJ Stroud as a prospect anyway. I don't expect him to lead my fantasy team to any kind of wins in season one anyway. I would like him to get in there and get experience and not be behind Gino, but who knows? I mean, Gino could, I mean, he really didn't look great down the stretch um, and he could absolutely fall apart next year. And then Stroud overtakes him. That's that's on the table as well. So based on this landing spot, if that really does happen, I see it as an elite long-term landing spot for Stroud. Um, and uh, I see the talent level with Bryce Young pretty even right now. Uh, don't forget, I, for some reason, everything I'm hearing about Stroud lately is that everyone's forgetting his playoff performance and how everyone said immediately that he proved all of the all the things he needed to prove and that he can lead an offense and that he can lead an offense with his legs. And if he's really going to show this ring ability, well, he did show it. So I, like I said, I, I think he did answer a lot of 
the skeptics questions that really weren't questions of mine anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I like CJ Stroud I, just as much as Bryce Young based on elite landing spot. He, he's my number two overall. Pick. Well, it, it, I guess that moves us then to a, a good conversation after Dallas's next pick at 103. Yeah, uh, I'll just touch really quickly on CJ Stroud. Um, the only concern I had, because for those of you listening that don't know, and if you guys forgot, I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, CJ Stroud is not the mobile quarterback that Justin Fields was, not the athlete that Justin Fields was. I never was concerned or thinking that he was going to be more of a runner than what I saw in college. The only concern I had with CJ Stroud is when a play breaks down and he is forced to move, that is the only time in his game where his accuracy drastically falls because without a doubt, you can look at the numbers, look at the game, Phil. He's the most accurate passer in this year's draft. Bryce Young is close, but CJ Stroud is the most accurate passer in this draft. He can make all the throws at any time, but the issue that he has specifically is when he's on the move. What he showed against Georgia was against the best defense in college football while forced to flush out of the pocket left and right multiple times all night, he was able to deliver the ball on a dime in coverage the entirety of the night. Something we didn't see during the regular season. The reason that I think he should be vaulted, especially with the landing spot in this draft ahead of a guy like young with his size concern, but young is who I took at one Oh three landing spot in our draft was the Texans. Don't love it. Not going to love anyone that falls to the, (laughs) Texans, honestly, just due to the weapons that they currently have. Um, they did double up at another position and got a wide receiver in his first round at 12, which I do like for his overall growth because it's a separator. So I like the landing spot overall just because they're going to have to build around him. Now that they have the quarterback, you can't have the Davis Mills excuse that you had over the last two years of being, yeah, let's just roll with him. We know he's not our guy, but we're not in the position to fix it right now. Let's go ahead and do it now. You have to add weapons realistically i would expect one of these wide receivers we're all talking about getting traded to a team to potentially land at a place like houston because they have the draft capital that early picks this year and people think they're going to be bad next year as well as a very very likely landing spot for a wide receiver like happened in this mock in the first round of this year and next year so Mm. it's a pretty good landing spot overall for his long-term outlook and it's a quarterback and super flex so for people who are weighing stroud versus uh young Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to you're about to make a neat graphic where there's like little categories and like there's checks or or or, or red X's. Is it young is sort of he reads uh, progressions uh, better is more a little pro ready uh, in, in, in that Stroud needs a little bit more work on that Stroud bigger, uh, maybe a little better arm, obviously young, the size concerns, he may be Kyler height. Like if you're weighing the two, what are you, what are you seeing as the, as the differences? Uh, the two differentiators that I see specifically are athletically, not even close to the same player. Um, CJ Stroud is the prototype. That's not what you're getting with young people are going to continue to talk about it. Um, it's a very common issue with Ohio state quarterbacks that have processing speed issues because of how good their offensive line is and the overall lack of pass rushers that they typically see in the big 10, they can get away with it at the college level. Um, You're going to have the same issues that you had with fields processing speed wise, most likely with CJ Stroud. It's just banking on the fact that the Seahawks do not, which is the landing spot in this mock do not have even close to the worst 
offensive line in the league right now. They have a running game to lean on and two top 12 wide receivers based off fantasy scoring of the last couple of years, including this year in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, as long as CJ Stroud does not land in a landing spot like the Bears with an abysmal offensive line, you should have no concerns about his processing speed because he's going to have that time at the NFL that he had in college. I'm going to so. ask Jesse about that, uh, but real quick, would you would you say it's fair? Because I've heard this, mm-hmm. Bryce Young floor CJ Stroud ceiling. Maybe. Uh, I, I mean, they're really close for me. I don't see like a huge difference. And I have Stroud as my number one right now. Call it bias, call it what you will, but I just like the prototype better. Mm-hmm. Um, Stroud can do everything that people are talking about Will Levis being able to do, except we've actually seen him do it. So <laughs> that would be how I would phrase it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to our friend in denim uh, a little bit later. Jesse, your thoughts on the two quarterbacks? Uh, want to touch on something Dallas just said about the processing speed. I heard Eric Crocker on this one of the one of the few locked on draft or locked on podcasts that i listen to is the locked mm-hmm. on draft and eric crocker say that he feels that ohio state quarterbacks almost have to be retrained reprogrammed once they get to the nfl because of what they're trained to do mm-hmm. um in college it's it's just not the same thing so yeah. um you know f you to their coach is it harbaugh uh, no, it's Day. Ryan Day. Day. F you, Ryan Day. Harbaugh's Michigan, my bad. <laughs> so, like, thanks for effing up these elite prospects. So, uh, have at Kyle McCord next, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's tough. So, uh, a Texans teammate of Bryce Young is who I'm going to take at 104, which is kind of a surprise for me, uh, and Dallas is going to disagree with me. Uh, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Addison here uh, at at 104. Uh, 12th, uh, 12th overall uh, to the Texans. I actually don't like the landing spot for JSN. Dallas does. And that's really why I, I, I took uh, Addison here. JSN, for what it's worth, this early in the process, is my wide receiver one. Um, but yeah. I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, like uh, I, I don't like where he landed, which we'll talk about in a, in a little while. You know, um, uh, Addison is, I think, a, a good floor play. I think he's a solid bet for, you know, for, for a good wide receiver too. Uh, I think the success of Devonta Smith has made, and the evolution of the NFL and stuff has made people sort of, you know, say, eh, maybe the size concerns aren't as, as big as we think. It should be noted though, that Devonta Smith has the benefit of a real alpha to play, to play with as, as well. Addison might need that. He doesn't have that at the Texans with this draft. You know, Nico, as much as I love him is not that, um, but this is a guy who can, you know, oh, Jesse, I did this as a guy. Ding. Um, <laughs> ding. Uh, you know, he can win in, uh, at all three levels. You know, good good route runner. Um, I think there have been, a, you know, slight drop concerns here and there with him. Uh, but basically, I mean, the analytics guys like him, too. Like, he hits every metric except for, like, the BMI and size thing. So It's just weight. Uh, yeah. He's got the height. He, he's very similar frame-wise to Devonta Smith. It's not, like, a bad overall comp. Right. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm Addison at, at 104. Uh, thoughts, uh, our guest first. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't like it. Um, as you know, <laughs> the landing spot overall, I think, is better for Bryce Young than it is for Addison's overall production, especially year one, like you're saying, with the alpha situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, 
the main thing I, I like that you have JSN wide receiver one. I also have JSN wide receiver one and people will be like, well, the Blitnikoff winner last year was Jordan Addison when he was with Pitt. Well, fun fact, that was hotly contested because JSN had better stats across the board than what Jordan Addison had for Pitt. It was just kind of the revelation that was happening with Pickett and Addison at the same time at Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't want to pigeonhole him into this, but the drops are a concern. Like you were saying, I don't like latching onto that because it's not a very sticky stat, just like touchdowns aren't. It's just really hard to predict that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not an alpha. He doesn't have the ability to be an alpha at the next level. And I'll say that and I'll say it confidently. Mm -hmm. JSN could be an alpha at the next level. Um, He's basically like a power forward out there. And I've said this on multiple podcasts of the last couple of weeks, but I'm a strong proponent of, the respect that peers give you, even if uh, you're not going to get it from a lot of the, you know, the talking heads out there. And the fact that Olave and Garrett Wilson on live television with him sitting right next to them said that he is the best wide receiver they have ever seen and ever seen live, both of them. And you're looking at the two top wide receivers from last year's class saying that. So it's one of those things out of sight, out of mind with me with JSN I'll take him everywhere and I'm going to get him at a discount most likely because of landing spot, unless he ends up with like Aaron Rodgers, basically. That's like pretty much the only place that people are going to be really happy with, I would say in the first mm. round. Mm. So Chargers maybe. Yeah. Charger. Well, I'm just saying, just give me him on the bears, man. I don't yeah. care. How that <laughs> so, uh, one thing about Addison before I throw it to Jesse is uh, uh, versatility, uh, less likely to be a slot guy than say, um, a guy that we're going to talk about later on in the first round, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, uh, that went to um, uh, the chiefs. Right. So uh, Addison uh, 70% ish slot snaps with Pitt, 70% ish outside snaps in Lincoln Riley's offense at USC. So he can produce both ways. Jesse Addison. Oh, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> so I want to say, I I just want to go, I want to address the best wide receiver in the room comment real quick. So uh, AJ Brown and who's the other awesome Ole Miss receiver in the NFL? DK Metcalf. Both said it's Elijah Moore. I'd still argue he might be. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's both of those guys being nice. So it, you know, on the on the flip side of that, all the Alabama guys said JMO. Right. And I kind of believe that. Yeah. Did and before the one, that, they said Waddle. Yeah. Right. So did you see the one that got called back in, in week 18? Yeah. Jameson? Was, that guy is. Well, that's just speed do with speed do. That's a, I mean, it's yeah, just a man. different level that a lot of guys don't have. Yeah. People don't, underst- <laughs> people don't understand yet. Don't trade him. <laughs> I got him at 601 in a startup. Oof. Nice. <laughs> all right. So Jordan Addison, love him. For me, the, the archetype is somewhere between Amon Ra and uh, the Slim Reaper, right? He is not quite the Slim Reaper on a root running level, okay? But he is a sharp root runner. He's not quite Amon Ra from an electricity um, yak uh, level, right? The, the things that Amon Ra are elite at. He's not quite elite there either, right? He's not quite elite in the things that he should be elite at, which should concern you a little bit. So that's where I think that Dallas, where Dallas says he's not an alpha, okay? 
I don't think he has to be an alpha to score a lot of points on a dyna- on a fantasy on a fantasy starting lineup though. And I think based on based on his skill set, I think he will be productive right away. I don't think he's quite Alave or Garrett Wilson or the Slim Reaper, Skinny Batman, or a lot of these other guys that we've seen come out. Um, uh, Ridley, I've seen him compared to Ridley. I don't think he's quite on that talent level. However, and I didn't see the drops. I do think, I think he's got really good technique with his hands and he's got really good hands. So maybe there were concentration drops. I'm not, uh, I haven't to be watched fair, it kept his board. drop rate kept decreasing. It was like yeah. 11 or something his freshman year or 13. And then okay. it was like 4.5. So, you know, yeah. And I have so far only watched uh, two games from him this year. So that that's what I know of him plus highlights. But I, yeah. I mean, th- this year's tape is probably not the tape you want to watch. And that's, I'm going to go back and watch him at Pitt too before I form my yeah. full on. But as far from a traits standpoint, um, <laughs> I think he's got all the ability in the world to come in and, and be a productive wide receiver in the NFL and score a lot of points in your yeah. fantasy roster. I'm, I'm going to throw a name out to you guys sure. Hollywood Brown. Okay. I, He's a little bigger than Hollywood, though, right? At least he's a little taller, isn't he? I mean, a, maybe a little taller, but not weight-wise. He he's probably going to come in at a full one seventy, like six to one seventy-eight. All right, yeah, it's a good cop. Hollywood's probably a little sharper of a route runner. But you think and, Hollywood is a better route runner than Addison? I think no. I, that's I, that's my question for you because if that's yes. how you feel, then you shouldn't be hyping up his route running. Well, I've always thought. I've always thought that Hollywood is a better was a better route runner than most people. I yeah. always thought thought that he got didn't get enough credit for. Well, all right, and I'll put it this way: I, I guess Jordan Addison's probably a little more crisp and polished at this point, but Hollywood has more, way more snap and potential, like snap in his roots. Right, he has way more potential to be a, a great route runner than Addison because of his traits. Addison doesn't have near the electric um, change of direction that Hollywood does. Yeah, but I change also think that there, but realistically, they'll probably run decently similar forties. I wouldn't be shocked if Addison ends up in that like high four three range. And I, I think Addison mm-hmm. is better with the ball in his hands as well than yeah. than Hollywood. That's what that's and, those are the uh, something as low in the four threes would like really boost his his speed score. Which, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it definitely yeah. would. But you got to remember, Hollywood had like one of the better speed scores that we've seen in a very long time. And he still only came in at like 180 pounds or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things. Where I think high four threes is probably what you're going to be looking for. But it's going to be probably talked down by a lot of the community, even though it does help his speed score, just because he's not going to weigh in heavy. He's been in three years of collegiate conditioning at some of the biggest schools. Mm-hmm. And you just still can't do it. <laughs> well, I mean. He's he needs not, to put some sand not, in his pants. Yeah, he's have he's not taking <clears throat> the right um <clears throat> drinking the right smoothies. <clears throat> <laughs> well, Addison not elite enough for Jesse, but somebody else is at one hundred and five. Yeah, that would be Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Right. So I love this guy, and the landing spot is just come on. So he goes in the first round to the Bills in this mock. So based on that. I'm sorry, James Cook, and goodbye, Devin Singletary, pretty much. Um, he is going to be benched into irrelevance, if not cut. My thoughts on Jameer Gibbs um, possesses elite speed, change of direction, 
um, acceleration is extremely rare. Uses it as a weapon by varying his speed, then sprinting past defenders. Uh, smooth and polished with excellent vision, contact balance. Um, will be a weapon in the passing game. Has elite hands and root running ability. Understands where to be and how to be in position uh, to run after the catch. Right? So he's not just standing there waiting for the ball. He understands how to how to set himself up for his first move when the ball is already there, right? Um, on the negative side, not much. Um, he does lack ideal size. Um, frame looks long and lean. Um, could use uh, another 10 to 15 pounds, which could come with a pro weight program and um, the right supplements. I have him as an A minus. Mm. No, I'm sorry. I have him as an A, straight up A. Top of the second round back is what I have. Mm -hmm. um, looks like Alvin Kamara on film. Okay, so um, that's what I, I see. We're gonna pivot. To I have Dallas. not read. I have not read anybody else's full review on him. Okay. That's that's just okay. me from what I saw. So, um, do you, I actually? And, and we're gonna get into this with with Charb too. I don't know that I love the landing spot in the Bills. The Bills overdrafted nope. James Cook for a role that they don't use. Who's <clears throat> the same player? <clears throat> and, and now and now we're doing that with Gibbs. No, thing, Gibbs is so much better than James Cook. Okay. I'm not either way, it's a role that I'm talking about. The Kamara, okay. the Kamara comp is common, although it's role usage. The body type is more James Cook. And Dallas had an exchange on Twitter with a couple folks about that too. So why don't you um attack Jameer Gibbs? Moves like Alvin Alva Kamara. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying no, that's he, the comp. Okay. I, I I agree. The elite trait, and you brought it up perfectly, it's the way that he controls his acceleration. It is on par with Blake Corum, who I thought was also the best in the class at that quick twitch acceleration in between tackles, separate in between the 10 and 20 yards, and then there's no way that they're going to catch you regardless mm -hmm. how fast they are. Does it he very well? He sets you, people up with it so yeah. well. You saw it, but... It is the exact same issues I had with James Cook coming out. Now, granted, the production was one of the huge things with James Cook with me. We saw Gibbs perform in the Alabama offense this year. The weight is not there. Alvin Kamara is going to be at least 15 pounds heavier than what Jameer Gibbs is. Mm. You're not going to be able to use him as often as Alvin Kamara is used. So then you're looking at a usage similar to James Cook going to the same team that just drafted that exact same prospect of player profile, whatever you want to call it, basically. Um, he is also, and I don't say this lightly, probably the worst pass blocker in the running back class out of like the top 10 to 12 guys. He is really bad at pass protection. And that was an issue that I also have with James Cook last year. And that's why James Cook is not on the field as much as we want him to be in Buffalo. It is concerning <laughs> to me. And uh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to like neg this idea because he's still in my tier two. Um, it'll come out next week for the DWZ for me, my tiers for my running backs and all my positionals and stuff like that. He's still in my tier two, but I feel icky taking him where I have to take him. And that's how I always describe it on the podcast when I'm talking about him. And so he's just a guy I'm probably not going to have a lot of in fantasy drafts next year. Uh, Jesse, since you love him so much. Yeah, uh, I want to. I want him. Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just I, I'm going to feel really good about taking him. Mm -hmm. I just I think his skill set is just usable in today's NFL, every team can use him. And I don't care who the other back is. He's going to outperform that back and he's going to have the lead role. I, he'll learn. I'm very, he'll learn the pass block. I'm very 
interested to see what he truly weighs in at. I've, I saw a lot yeah. of different weights mm. and I probably, when I said he needs to add 10 to 15 pounds, I was probably adding that to like the heavier um, weights that I saw. If he comes in at 190, then mm. it's, it, it might change a little bit for me. I think he comes in at 195. Basically, I think he's going to come in with the exact same athletic profile that we saw James Cook have last year. And speaking of, of James I was hoping Cook, one, 205, you know. One thing sorry, that, it's okay. One thing that didn't come up, I think, yet, and if he said it, I'm sorry if I missed it, is how good a pass catcher he is. Yeah. You know, and, and like, and, and he can be a big part of the passing attack, which is why the Kamara and James Cook comps are there. Jesse, uh, I saw somebody who watched some film on uh, Gibbs say he doesn't juke well. Uh, that uh, if his, if he's not getting it with his speed, he's not getting it. It's um, it's an acceleration and deceleration thing, but it's not an elusive thing. So what what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Okay. He also because somebody I, else I saw disagree. So I just I, wanted to see what you think. I can understand. Like he doesn't. He's not like a cutter like. Barkley he's not that's not his style mm -hmm. but he does have the I will all right if it's me and you me against you on the outside I will he'll do the LaShawn McCoy I will just I'm faster and I will run around you mm -hmm. thing and then he's gone right so he does have more than just his varying acceleration he does have different ways to he does he does have different moves I'll put it that way. It's not necessarily a juke move. You're not going to hit the R1 and L1 with him a lot if you're, if you're playing that. Yeah. Can, um, can I give you a quick example yeah. of someone who has the exact same issue at a different position? Sure. Uh, Quentin Johnson. You could say the exact same thing about Quentin Johnson. He, well, but he's 150 feet tall. How can he juke? Yes, but they have the same type of running style where they have a tendency to weave in and out of coverage, in and out, without mm -hmm. making any true cuts. So can they do it? Potentially. Is it their strong suit? No. It's not really a problem for either of the guys, is what yeah. I would say. I came away. Well, I'm going to talk about Quentin Johnson later because I believe he's on my list, right? But <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I came away more impressed than I expected to be from watching him. Hmm. So Dallas, you're icky with where you take Gibbs. Speaking of icky, who are you taking at 106? <laughs> uh, someone I also don't like, but the only <laughs> reason I took him there is because of landing spot. Um, it's Will Levis. Uh, the, I'll just get the comp out of the way because this is one that I like. I've I saw it for so long every week on Sundays for years that I know what this is, and it's Jay Cutler. He's Jay Cutler, and I just I keep stressing that to people, and no one wants to accept it. But that's oh, what you're Josh Allen. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, I people thought, wanted I to be it was Danny Jay Cutler, man. I'm telling you right now. But um, for me, I am going to go out of my way most likely to take whatever quarterback is drafted to Indianapolis, whether or not mm -hmm. they trade up to one, whether or not it falls to them at four, and that's because landing spot wise is probably the best and most productive landing spot of any of the rookie signal callers that we're going to see year one. And I like to have value in my rookie picks increase from year one to year two, regardless of where exactly that I'm taking them. Thank you. Um, so for me, Will Levis goes there. He's starting day one. There's not a question. There's no backup plan that they're going to have. They're not bringing in a Garoppolo to sit there just in case or let him sit for a year because we saw what happened. 
If he goes there at four to them, he has Jonathan Taylor right there. He has, I would argue, probably the best interior line. The tackles obviously need some work this offseason as well in Indianapolis. As well as <clears throat> I said one of. I didn't say best. Fly, <laughs> equals fly. <laughs> Yeah, I, hey man, I'm just Casey waiting. Kelsey that. wants a word. I'm You're sorry. gonna have a pitfall at some point because half your offensive line is like 80 years old. So I'm just waiting for it to happen. We have two first round picks this year. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, that's where I'm at with the landing spot. Indianapolis is a very attractive place to be right now. You can say what you want about this season and what it was, but it was just ugly pretty much from the get go. Jonathan Taylor really wasn't a factor for most of the season due to injuries. They traded away Naheem Hines, who was a pivotal aspect of their offense. They're going to draft a quarterback and they're going to draft a wide receiver. It's going to happen. You're going to see more attacking offensive power to this team. And their defense was already pretty solid. Now, will they have to trade up to one to get the actual guy that they want to get? Probably. That's what I'm hoping for. But in this mock, I had to take it just due to the fact that it's a top four quarterback going to a decent landing spot and it's super flex. So, okay. So let's talk about why we hate him. Yeah. I mean, why? I mean, that's why you drafted him. Why do we hate him so much? Why do you and I and Jesse hate Will Levis? <laughs> uh, it is pretty much the epitome of hero ball and bad decision making is how I would describe it. Um, he basically did what we've seen the overzealous gunslinger do in the past. We saw it with Baker Mayfield. We saw it with Zach Wilson re- more recently that those two guys from the same draft class, they have the tools they're lauded for their, you know, intangibles basically. But when they come in and they're forced to sit in the pocket and throw and read coverages, I'm not comfortable that he can do it. I'm not comfortable that he can do it right now. Specifically. Do I think that the correct coaching can fix that? And we may see something like Josh Allen. Absolutely. Anything can happen, but we've seen that that happens maybe with three teams out of the 32 NFL teams every 10 years that they actually make one of these projects work. We're just recency biased because we've seen it with two guys coming out that were not supposed to be at the level that they've been at in Mahomes and in Josh Allen. So it, it's just one of those things where I, I just can't buy into a guy that shows that he's just not willing to read a defense from year in to year out. You can say what you want about the talent dearth and stuff like that. Then hand the ball off, check the ball down. No, don't throw into triple coverage. Every other snap is what I would say when it comes to Levis. That's just where I'm at on it. Jesse thoughts on Levis. C Danny dimes. That's it. That's what I got. But, but we like Danny dimes. Uh, we like him now. Go look back at your notes from that year on Danny Dimes and why we didn't like him and why we thought at six out of Duke, why right? we thought uh, Dave Gettleman was, uh, you know, kind of an idiot for uh, taking him where we yeah, did that pick got panned. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, because everybody fact. thought everybody thought that he could trade back and get the same player, you know, 10 picks later. Two fun facts for you. One, one of Dan, uh, one of uh, Daniel Jones's official nicknames on Pro Football Reference today, besides Danny Dimes, is um, Vanilla Vic. 
Oh no! <laughs> God, that is gross. Vanilla Vic, yeah. There, there was, uh, I think that one awful. came around the same time that for some reason people started calling uh, Mitchell Trubisky Mr. Biscuits. Those happened yeah. like in lockstep, and I was like, "What is happening right now?" Oh God! I also, don't, I, um, I don't think Michael. I don't think Michael Vic would really appreciate that. To be honest with you, another reason uh, that serious uh, man that we hate Will Levis. Another fun fact: fucker puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Like oh, you told me that. That's just fuck out of here. Like, well, I can't, Michael I can't. Mayer also does that, and he's been yeah. So the, I mean, that might be a red flag. <laughs> he's it's a, a red flag for me. Listen, he's a monster. If, if Keishon Boutte's alleged later. sex party is a plus for me, then putting mayonnaise in your coffee is a minus for me. That's a guy I'm excited to talk about <laughs> when we get to him. Adjust the yeah, ranks. Adjust the ranks. All right. So uh, my next pick is the guy that I maybe I should have taken. At, uh, at 104, I'm taking him here at 107. He was mocked at 14th to the Patriots, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, JSN, wide receiver one, stop fucking around with QJ. It's JSN. Uh, I don't love the landing spot. I don't love Mac Jones, the quarterback. I don't love everybody's like, oh, the pay- oh, we, we just, we're gonna, we're gonna wish cast a wide receiver to the Patriots. The offense is ugh. Mac Jones is, ugh. I mean, I love JSN, but. I just I don't know I don't like the landing spot Dallas does we'll get we'll get to that in a second, you know uh, you know separates well wins at all three levels of the field uh, he's better deep than people think uh, he's not a slot guy you know he uh, he's not alpha size six foot two hundred ish right but um, but you can can play an alpha role in an offense. Um, you know, there's not much to not like about him. There was the injury in 2022 that, you know, you know, uh, his stock slipped a little bit, but he did most of his, uh, his, his production that everybody loves in 2021 with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on the team. We talked, uh, earlier about how how they were fawning over Mm -hmm. him. There's not too much to not like, uh, about JSN. Um, he doesn't have like any of like big concerns or red flags that pretty much every other wide receiver in this draft does. Um, you know, there is some like, ah, oh, he's a little raw and maybe needs to polish his route running and somewhat limited tree, not a lot of contested catch examples, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, at this point, I think we're, we're kind of nitpicking when it comes to uh, a prospect as good as JSN because you have a hard on for him uh, at uh, Dallas. Why don't you talk about him first? Yeah. Um, so for full transparency, uh, Jesse and I will be doing a word association game here soon for the Dynasty Wars War Games, like rookie collab. We talked about that. Um, the word that I associate him with is clean. He's a clean prospect. I, like you mentioned it, there's pretty much nothing with his game that I have concerns with. And that's not something I can say with a lot of prospects that are in this draft. So that's why just from the get-go at the wide receiver position, any of the concerns that I have that are actual concerns with wide receivers immediately puts him at the top of the list. Secondly, he, he is not Jamar Chase, and I'm not saying he is Jamar Chase in the scope of what I'm saying. I'm just saying that in the contested catch situations, which are not super, you know, prevalent on tape because he typically separates pretty well at the secondary level which is very very nice and something that you constantly see with ohio state wide receivers and you should never doubt with ohio state wide receivers but i'll just leave it at that he wins at the catch point in a similar dominant fashion to what you saw with chase when he was at lsu to where when it is a contested catch situation and he's 
put 50-50 there, he dominates the wide receivers. He is constantly on them, or not the wide receivers, the DBs, and is constantly on them and constantly snatching the ball away from them. It's something that you can't say with a lot of people in this class because there's not a not a lot of like physical guys at the catch point in this class is what I would say outside of Quentin Johnson. And so it's just very hard for me not to like him. Also, for you not liking his landing spot specifically, do you like Jacoby Myers as a prospect with what he's done in the NFL? I, th- I think Jacoby Myers has consistently been underrated and I'm finally loving Jacoby Myers. But one reason I don't like JSN there is because Jacoby Myers is there. Right now, yes, correct. But if they draft right now, JSN, realistically, sure. they don't have to sign him. My argument is that JSN is significantly better at multiple parts of his game than what Jacoby Myers is. And I like Jacoby Myers. No, very good point. So you're looking at him basically as a floor of Jacoby Myers, which I think anyone would take from any prospect because my rule, as long as if I'm drafting you in the top six as a wide receiver, I just need a top 24 season. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what the production is. That's just what I want to see. I'll be bought in at that point. If he goes to new England, realistically, even if they have Jacoby Myers, he's the number one guy now. So it's just something that I didn't hate the landing spot, but what, what about you, Jesse? Cause I know you like him quite a bit too. Yeah, I love Jason. He's my number one wide receiver in this draft. Good. All right. Uh, Proud of everyone here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to address the landing spot yeah. discussion. I didn't like AJ Brown's landing spot at all. And it yeah. caused and it caused me to sleep on him. All right. So that's that's kind of my lesson when it comes to wide receiver landing spots. Uh it's more draft capital to me. And this is first round gra- draft capital. So that's fine. Fourteenth um, for those who are keeping score at home. I have no concerns. It means that it means the team is going going to be con, um, committed to him as their number one option. Yeah. So I didn't like Garrett Wilson. I didn't like his draft his landing spot. I didn't like Olave's landing spot. I didn't like Jahan Dotson's landing spot. Yet I have a ton of those guys. Sure. So right. those are very good points because, like, I kind of have a ton of all those guys too. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so so it's, another it's guy more we, draft capital. Yeah. It's more draft capital, um, but um, JSN is electric in and out of his breaks. Love him. Uh, uh, hands, contested catch. Um, you know, he's bigger and stronger than this sort of archetype that we've been talking about quite a bit. Like, if you compare him to Jordan Addison, the different different beast with a similar skill set, right? So, you know, I'm way more confident in his ability to translate to yeah. the NFL because of play strength. But yeah. also, I will say that Addison's probably faster. No, so, yeah, yeah. He, he's not the athlete, but my comp for him, just to quickly get this out, is Amon Ross St. Brown. That's If you like Amon Ross St. Brown, that's basically what you're going to get from JSN, and he's a little bit more of an illustrious prospect. So. I, yeah, I don't think he's as fast, but I think he's bigger and strong. Well, nobody's probably as strong as any of the St. Browns yeah. in the world, <laughs> but he's bigger anyway. Um, but yeah, the, my only concern with him is, is long speed. But he's got plenty of functional play speed, and he's he's going to be a hell of a wide receiver in the NFL. I don't care where he goes. I mean, so, the Patriots aren't my favorite spot for him, but it, it wouldn't deter me. Um, so another um, violator of all things sacred with coffee is next, uh, Jesse. <laughs> um, is this where I took my hair? I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> took my thing down. Um, yeah, so Michael Mayer, tight end, Notre Dame. Um, man, I'll tell you, 
15 guy, to the Packers, by the way. Yeah, 15 to the Packers. Thank you. He is a full grown man on the football field. So he's 6'4, 265. I think he's what I what I saw a consensus at. Like to see what he really weighs in at. But man, he's got big old guns. Um, and he uses them to muscle the ball away from people. He's 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 a straight up baller. Um he does more than just like like all right if you want to compare him to somebody that i'm gonna talk about later but if you want to compare him to somebody like luke musgrave he's he's got more of an idea of how to how to get downfield and actually run a route and win and win right he can actually he also knows how to block yeah (laughs) that too so like i mean i saw him like pancaking some d-backs on some highlights but I didn't really see him do a whole lot of like real inline blocking, but he's definitely got the ability and, and the size. Um, he's got first round written all over him. He's got excellent hands, speed. Um, like I said, play strength. Um, he's, he's like, he's a baller. He's going to be spiking the guy ball in people's faces. You know, he's it, once he gets his shot, he's going to be a badass. He's, he's way more in the, Dallas Goddard mold than like the Dulcich mold, right? Like he's he's got the potential to be a straight up ball. I just really like his attitude on the field too. You know, coming from Notre Dame, it's a big time program. I I like guys like that. I like guys that come in with ability and attitude. Like he already, I feel like he's gonna already fit in in an NFL lock, locker room, and Aaron Rodgers is gonna make him a star. You know if. Aaron Rodgers is there throwing the ball, but Jay, I, I think he could also succeed with Jordan Love, to be honest with you. So I, I don't have, um, I don't really have any reservations taking him at 108. If it misses, it misses, but I think he's a much better prospect than Trey McBride was last year as the consensus number one tight end. And for those of you wondering, yes, we are talking about Superflex and tight end premium, right? Yeah. I, you know, there are some people who would probably yes, draft yes. Mayer like 111, 112, even in a non-premium, but I'm just sure. saying like, you know, just for those keeping score at home. Dallas, what do you say of the critiques of Mayer, which I've seen, again, I'm not watching tape on this guy yet, but, you know, I have my big spreadsheet. I take my notes on what people have said and can sometimes struggle to finish through his run blocks. Um and he's only going to get like yak from like exposing zone and having short routes then really not, you know, and he's not really as fast and athletic as, as people think not twitchy. So. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's a very similar prospect profile for me for a, a very recent prospect in Pat Fryermuth. They have the same type of faults coming out. Um, very good zone sitters, very good separators when they need to in man, but it leaves a little bit to be desired when it comes to finishing blocks. Like you're saying Um, specifically, I think it's more of an effort thing than anything. Um, It's just because he's like, okay, cool. Like I pushed you like three or four yards. Now I can probably let up and it's like, Oh shit. Well, my running back's actually not that good. And he's right behind me right now. So I guess I just kind of gave up that pass blocker run block. Didn't I? Um, He he's fine as a blocker, but he's not elite. Um, the baby Gronk comps are completely out of left field because he doesn't have the yak or the run blocking ability that Gronk has. Or the um, size. Gronk's yeah, six, yeah. six. Gronk was bigger. And, yeah, and- yeah. He, I, I think he's like six, five. He's probably going to come in at like two sixty. He's a, he's a thick guy. Like he is jacked yeah, up for sure. Um, I, this is not a, like a conventional comp, but the guy that I see a lot with how he plays, I see a lot of Delaney Walker 
in him. Hmm. Uh, in, he was a damn good player. Yeah, he was, and that's the Delaney thing. Delaney Walker was, was very smaller, athletic too, a lot more compact. But like yeah. D- Delaney was like a B tiered version of how we see like a Travis Kelsey get separation in zone, which is like the biggest thing that I want to see with a tight end is how you settle down into zones because like the difference between athletically a Travis Kelsey and a Cole Komet, there's pretty much nothing. Cole Komet can do pretty much everything that Travis Kelsey did from a hands and from a like physical standpoint, but his understanding of how to sit down in zone and how to actually get separation as a tight end is not even remotely close to Travis Kelsey. And that's why he struggled. That's why he hasn't been that good at his tight end. I see a lot of those better qualities that we see in the high end tight ends when it comes to separating as a move tight end in a guy like Michael Mayer, the pass blocking, not elite, but I just need you to be okay. If you're going to be a true move tight end, which I'm fine. Um, if he lands in a situation like Fryermuth did with Pittsburgh, where a quarterback has to rely on him early season one, I think that's a great thing for him. If he somehow slips to the back end of the first round and he falls to a team like Kansas city, like Baltimore, who already has a guy that's starting to get older that they can just slide in. I love that even more. Cause that just means perennially you're going to get a Travis Kelsey down the road. Um, the faults are there, but I don't think they're, as glaring as a lot of the other tight ends in this draft class is what I would say. So a couple more fun facts about uh, Mayer besides the mayonnaise in his coffee um, snap percentage out wide increased to 60% in 2022, you know, uh, speaking to the, the move tight end thing. And uh, you know, uh, Dallas called him thick um, as much as, you know, I, I, I like my women uh, thick in the lower body. Um, you know, that has been cited by another, you know, research I'm doing from from people that, you know, we're talking about mayor and said that, you know, being thick on the bottom will limit his, you know, his his twitch and his burst and uh, something to keep in mind. Somebody did make a fantasy comp to Cole Komet, you know, and you mentioned him. Seems like, though, that's more of a floor than a, than a ceiling. Yeah, they, they play differently. That I, I get the comp and why you want to do it, Big Ten tight end but it's they just play differently mm-hmm. i think he reminds me of goddard although but in the passing game goddard's a hell I was gonna say, goddard, an elite blocker people just don't understand how freaking good goddard's tape was coming out like it, it was when you're looking at like small schools like when goddard came from you shouldn't see someone at the tight end position be that freaking dominant that's like like the closest cop I could say is like, if you threw Darnell Washington onto like the same team, you'd expect that because he's just so freaking big. Goddard is just an average size tight end that was able to just absolutely dominate his, his tape is like the best tight end tape I've ever seen since I started like looking at this stuff a couple of years ago. I never watched this college tape. I wasn't yeah. into, in, into this at that time. Yeah. So uh, Dallas, you're up at one Oh nine, a landing spot that you like. And I don't. Tell me about your next pick. Yeah, uh, it is Zach Charbonnet. He landed with the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round for this. Um, And I understand the immediate hesitancy that is going to come with a lot of people when it regards to Isaiah Pacheco, specifically what Isaiah Pacheco has been able to do this last year. Um, I would just say it's not as good as you think it is. Uh, It may look better than what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been able to do, but my biggest thing, the moment in Chiefs history over the last five years since they've had Patrick Mahomes where I said, if one player could absolutely make this team a dynasty, 
It was when Derrick Henry was a free agent with Tennessee. And it was the concept of adding a bruising running back that if you are not going to put eight guys in the box in, he will get six yards every single time you hand him the ball. And that's something that is very possible with a big guy like Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. Right now, for full transparency, I know I'm doing tears is very early. He's my RB3, and he has been for quite a while in this class between B- behind Bijan and Sean Tucker. Athletically is not a gangbuster player, but he has enough to get across the board. Um, if you, for me, I understand people have this understanding of like Javante being this wild athlete, but he really isn't. If you like Javante Williams coming out of college, you, you should like Charbonnet. That, that, like, that's my statement to everyone. And it just, there's the same physicality. There's the same ability in the pass game. He's increased his passes every single year that he was in. He went back for a senior year, caught over 50 balls in an offense that doesn't dump off to running backs very often in that Chip Kelly offense. And it, it's just something that I just can't get behind. But when I go to the KC side and landing spot, just to fully alleviate this, Pacheco, over the last two months of the regular season, the last eight games, has averaged 14 touches for 64 yards per game and has scored a touchdown every other game. That extrapolated over a season puts him as RB24. He's not this game-changing prospect. Mm-hmm. So if I'm putting in a guy that would get second-round second capital, if the Kansas City Chiefs are putting in second-round capital into a running back like Charbonnet, they're going to commit to him. Because that just tells me that they understand Pacheco is limited. Pacheco is not a good pass blocker, and he's still not a good pass blocker. That's my biggest thing. Charbonnet, very, very, very solid at pass blocking. So for me, landing spot, a guy I already loved, give it to me. If there was hype for CEH, hype for a late guy like Pacheco, people would be freaking losing their minds if Charbonnet gets drafted round two to KC. My concern wasn't so much like Pacheco being – but it's like Pacheco is there – they may resign McKinnon because they like the role that he plays, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and later on in the draft, they, they, in this mock, they drafted yeah. Chase Brown, who a lot of people like, you know, uh, as like an RB, like their RB seven or eight in the class. So like, you know, now all of a sudden it gets crowded on a team that doesn't like to run anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like if you have char, maybe you'll run more, but um, also, you know, people, you know, I, I, I know that people knock like he doesn't have the top end speed. He's not, you know, he's not jukey. He's just like straight, you know, downhill type runner. But, you know, there are runners like that. And with his size, if he ran a four, four, five, it would give him a speed score of one twelve, which is elite. Yes. Right? And I can't stress that enough. It's it's Javante. He has the same body style and running style as Javante Williams. And people just, oh, oh I get I could fawn over Sharp forever. <laughs> Now, uh, from an, for the rest of the analytics, you know, profile uh, that I was listening to today, uh, he's meeting all the thresholds, not really exceeding any of them. But I think some of that is from that second year, which I'm willing to give him a pass on, um, you know, uh, and, and so it was ex- the same person, the same audio that I listened to today, the analytics profile, the more film oriented person said, think about it this way, right? You're a California kid. You, you ball out in, in your freshman year and um, score 11 touchdowns, a freshman Michigan record, right? You think you're the guy. Hassan Haskins, you know, in a really terrible offensive year, you know, outplays you a little bit. You're in a fucking uh, Midwestern winter, you know, and, you know, and, and it was such a weird year there in, in Michigan. It was the COVID year, too, and the Big Ten only played a few games. 
Like I'm willing to kind of throw that out the window and say, okay, he, he's not an early declare, but I look at him as having like a freshman, junior and senior year. And that's how I'm going to judge, judge yeah. Charb. And he's a, he's a guy who I thought was getting a little too much buzz, but the last few days, I'm, I'm I think I'm coming around. Jesse, you like him. Talk about Charb. Yeah, I have a ton of notes on Charbonnet, so I'm just going to give you some highlights. Yeah. Because uh, I've watched him a lot. So I, uh, you know, obviously huge back, uh, but with power, elite violence, all right, and has a plan to use it. All right. Vector changes, um, really good vision, um, has a, he, he has a combination of vector change moves that he'll use to set people up. And he's a really smart back. You know, I, I definitely want to make sure I can touch on that. Um, as in the passing game, I say excellent hands, ball skills, runs, runs a really nice um, wheel route. Like he looks like, um, he looks like somebody shot a dining room table out of a cannon with, with hands like with glue stuck to him. Yep. It's it's amazing to see him. Run Anyone away. who says he's not a good pass catcher has never watched a single game of Zach Charbonnet. Uh, it's it that his his wheel route is an elite part of his game. It's it's yep. really like I would not want to be in front of that. Yeah, like and no on the, no one's know. going to expect it because they think he's some meathead who can only run in between the tackles. Yeah, and so, I think some. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just like a few other things. Um, skip some of the obvious stuff uh my comp to him is jeremiah trotter do you remember him middle yeah. linebacker wow. for the eagles yeah he, he to me runs like a linebacker with blitz okay in, in a you know in a certain way does not give a flying fuck what's in front of him sometimes um i'll skip to my uh to the bottom right so my final notes on him uh, i give him a b plus um not as good as i'd hope because of the speed um, would make a really good compliment to James Cook. Um, really good hands. On, I mean, sorry, really good, honest power back. Elements of Henry style, but with less size and speed. Um, I have slow Javante as my actual comp for him. And Dude, Javante ran four fives. That's what Charb's going to run. I just a four keep, five I would still be 107, by the way, which is, yeah. you know, meets the threshold. My problem with him is I think he's going to have a super slow first uh, uh, first split on that on that 40, and it could just kill his overall time. That's the problem I have with, like, I think he's mm. good. I think he's in in danger of getting the spiller treatment. And if that happens, it's going to be really sad. Yeah, that, that would be rough. I mean, my comp is not Javante. I have Jamal Williams as his comp mm-hmm. from Detroit. I can see that. I, I, he's, I think he's bigger and stronger. Like, I think he's more. Because you're looking at a guy with double-digit touchdowns this year. So I just think he's a much better back, actually, yeah. than Jamal Williams. Speed-wise, yeah, I could see that. Let me ask you a couple more things, Dallas, about – because, you know, I think and, – and I think Jesse's really strong on this, too, is that – we we don't want to you know blow sunshine up blow smoke up your ass and just be sunshine and rainbows when we like somebody we still want to talk you know a little bit about the flaws so i'm going to read you a little bit of critiques that i've seen of charbonnet Mm -hmm. from film watchers and you tell me uh if you saw it too um we talked about limited uh top end acceleration um let's see uh sorry um okay 
when he when he uh when he cuts he has to incorporate his upper body into it to make yes. it work um he, he loses momentum when he gears down and takes a few steps to reaccelerate um i have that in here so. has uh let's see uh speed in the open field is average and will get chased down pac 12 tackling so uh, I would say that you can probably combine the last statement with the first one is what you said. So his ability to juke tackles is not there. And because of that, he has to re-accelerate. Um, you can call it Pac-12 tackling if you want to, but that's kind of the case with everyone. If you're not the SEC would be my sure. statement. So, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, the thing with him is absolutely um, not great elusiveness in the open field but he has shown better than pretty much any running back in this class that if a db is attempting to take him down at the second level or a light linebacker is attempting to take him down at the second level he is not going down on first contact and that's why i mean i think he was absolutely he was 14th in fbs this year and runs over 15 yards mm-hmm. so Yes. Did he have extreme non-touched runs that are extremely illustrious? Absolutely not. But he has a tendency to break the first tackle because of his ability to stiff arm and just be more physical, really, than most of the other people that are there due to his size, which is one of his big, you know, pump up uh, metrics. But his ability to then accelerate afterwards is good enough to where he still gets these big chunk plays. He's not getting the Saquon Barkley-esque ones, but he's getting very similar plays to a guy like kind of like Kenneth Walker. Um, but it, it, it's just the the physicality is on a different level. It's what, what we haven't seen anything like this since Javante. And before that, it was more of like a Marshawn. It, it's extremely physical running. Chris Carson. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, but I mean, you could ask, you could argue that Chris Carson and Thomas Rawls, every running back that has gone to Seattle, it just like throws their shoulders <laughs> and moves. Well, I think I think Monty's found that the last two years yeah. as well. Monty um, found speed is what Monty found in the last eighteen months. Well, he also fa- he also found a different style than than yeah. ran in college. Yeah, and I I found that actually. I went back because I thought um, I thought some of these backs were going to compare to Monty. And he thought he was the shifty guy in college for some reason. And he, uh, no. anyway, um, Brian, what you said just now is in my notes, right? So I, I put uh, limited cutting ability often has to slow and cut with two feet has to swing the opposite arm out for balance when changing direction quite often. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's sort of the same thing that they were describing. I also put here um, upright style with a tall frame. Yeah that presents tacklers with a square target, mm-hmm. although he's adept at slipping square ta- uh, square hits with spins and st- stiff arms. I was going to ask you about the And then he'll carry the three time. guys yeah. for 10 yards. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's crazy some of the things he does. Yeah. He By runs way, like Latavius Murray, but he has the ability to actually break a tackle. He up. runs like Jeremiah Trotter. He doesn't <laughs> give it. He'll carry three goddamn offensive linemen. I'm telling you. So uh, for those of you who, who are, who are wondering, um, Early on in the season, he was at, uh, and I know Jesse, you're a little skeptical on some of these numbers, you know, because like I think Matt Wallman was making the example, like when you talk about yards after contact, did somebody like get their pinky on a thigh pad and mm-hmm. you know whatever? But like some of it can be subjective. Yeah, you know, four point seven one yards uh, after contact per attempt. Yeah, uh, early in the season when I was listening to the analytic profile on their O line was not good. Ask DTR. DTR had the exact same issue, and that's why I love him so much. His escapability, mm. 
it's it's one of those things where it's like he he just was not able to be brought down on first tackle. He was not DTR. Well, no, DT, well, DTR is the escapability, but I'm saying what like ask DTR about the O line because Charbonnet just did not go down the on quarterback. First Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah. Or down to roll. Whatever, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I was asking what I was down to do. <laughs> so, um, <speaking laughs> before we move a, on, I need to know what I'm down to do. <laughs> speaking of a, a powerful runner, uh, at 110, I'm taking um, Anthony Richardson. So, full transparency, I don't think, and I know I'm probably wrong, I don't think Anthony Richardson or Will Levis should be first-round NFL picks. Nope. But that's just the way things are these days with quarterback. And I don't think this should be first round rookie draft picks, which kind of goes ha- hand in hand. That said, I've got Richardson above Levis. Um, so I don't love him, right? He's got, but like, you know, and we talk about, you know, raw only 66 passes, you know, and, you know, kind of needs to keep working on his touch, although it did, it, it did improve and, you know, the changing velocity and it did improve. Um, but we're talking about a real true dual threat quarterback, you know, but one that is pass first knows he can run all over the field, wants to pass. Um, and he's going to a spot 16th, the commanders where they've got enough quarterback bodies between Howell and the ghost of Wentz and Taylor Heineke to let Richardson sit for a year, which is what he absolutely needs to do. What the Colts aren't going to do um, with Levis, who I don't even like as much. So I think, you know, 110, getting a guy uh, who can be real electric uh, in, in Richardson, you know, big rocket arm, great runner. I, you know, this is the real Josh Allen ceiling of the draft. Dallas? I mean, yes, ceiling-wise, yes, but he is a worse prospect and more of a projection than even Trey Lance was coming out. So that would be my statement with that, is that if you're not happy with the progression that Trey Lance has made in one of the easiest offenses to run, just through the skill, talent, and the quick throws that Shanahan has, probably not going to see it in a year with Anthony Richardson. And you know what happens with quarterbacks that don't see the field or don't produce early on in their career? They're immediately sold for less than what you drafted them as. And so that would be my only concern with where he's going. Landing spot obviously makes sense. Uh, I think there's no way that Washington keeps Wentz on the roster next year because he has no guaranteed money left on his contract. Oh, okay. Um, but how realistically, if I was them, yeah, it makes sense to sit Richardson because I trust Hal more than I trust Richardson. And I wasn't even a huge Howell guy last year. So it, it is a prospect that I will say, yes, I completely acknowledge the athletic traits and the rocket cannon of an arm that he has, but I do not do projection players at the extent that you have to project Anthony Richardson to be successful at the next level. So I'm entirely off him. Okay. Uh, less, so more off him than Levis. At this point, yes, because I've seen passing production from Will Levis. I've seen cohesive stretches of offense more in line with a guy like Brock Purdy from last year, who, again, I hated Brock Purdy coming out and I hate Will Levis coming out. Mm-hmm. But Brock Purdy went Mr. Irrelevant and Will Levis went fourth overall in this mock. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. I mean, Will Levis is not in my top two tiers of quarterback. I'll give you full transparency. He's in my third tier, but the fact that he's going this high is the same reason that you have to draft the Daniel Jones who we were just talking about earlier. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just cannot project as much as you have to for Anthony Richardson. And if he falls out, cool, missed him, didn't take him with my 10th overall pick. 
I'll eat that because it was a 10th overall pick and it doesn't matter in the long run. So sure. Yeah. You're not, it's not, you're not wasting one Oh four on them or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to reach for them. So there's no real harm, no foul. That's going to be associated with me passing on them at one ten for a guy that I like better really the next like three to four picks. So Jesse, Anthony Richardson. I'm more interested in talking about this idea of Wentz's ghost. So what would that look like? All right. So, cause I don't have anything real to say about Anthony Richardson, except that I think he's gross and he's like a late second round pick because he's a real long shot. Right. So it depends on how risk adverse averse you are. And he's got great tools, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm more interested in like the ghost of Wentz. Is that like a, a like a tin, a ghost tin man? Mm. So like, what would you feed a ghost tin man? Is what it like an a, ectoplasm can instead of an oil can? Mm-hmm. So I'm, a, picturing, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just picturing a merger of the real Ghostbusters cartoon with the Slimer guy and the Wizard of Oz cartoon. Do you guys remember that at all? And like you combine the Slimer and Tin Man and you got the Ghost of Wentz. So and maybe that Tin Man up, up top with like the little ghosty kind of tail away at the end. Yes, exactly. Yeah, some Casper yeah. action. Yeah. So what if it's a ghost that's afraid of ghosts because Wentz is so so <laughs> yeah, bad under Casper, pressure? Casper, yeah. Literally Casper. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not friendly at all. He's a dead. <laughs> Happy feet, Wentz. Uh, you know, um yeah. and uh and okay. So uh Jesse, you're up at 111 um with a guy mm-hmm. who's kind of divisive. Um yes. tell me about this pick. I I took Quentin Johnson and I like him. Right? Okay, so um I'm going to go through some of my notes here. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to go over the landing spot first? Uh, yeah. So uh, QJ went ninth overall to Carolina, the Panthers. Yeah. So if that really happens um, and they get some semblance of a quarterback as well to go with him, that's not Sam Darnold um, or Matt Corral. Um, I really, I, I don't know what to expect out of Matt Corral. I assume we'll see him at some point, but if he really goes ninth overall, don't you have to believe in him to a certain degree? Um, my notes, uh, I have limited notes. I haven't watched a lot of him, but he's obviously big and fast, great yak ability, um, good hands, needs work on technique with the hands. Saw some weird um, body catching uh, when he's jumping in the air and m- moments where he doesn't know whether to present his hands and attack the ball or let it come to him in an underhand kind of way. And then he gets caught in between. And so that kind of thing can get cleaned up in the NFL with good coaching, assuming he goes to a team with good coaching. Um, As far as um, his really positive traits is he, his acceleration looks rare. He's for a man, his size, he there was a play or two where I was like, wow, he just ran the fuck past that guy like a fast defender running straight at him. Boom, he's gone. It's like turbo. He's got a turbo butt. And for, for a man his size, that that was surprising. Um, looks like uh, well, his frame and his the way he moves looks like Randy Moss, but he's nowhere near the elite speed or deep like stack it like uh, Randy Moss was technically elite at, at a number of things. And, and Quentin Johnson is a much Most different, things. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's a much different player. He's not. I didn't see him um, like run a run an elite go route where he steps on a D back's toes and then stacks him and tracks the ball over his shoulder. Like I didn't see any of that out of Quentin Johnson. So if that's what you're hoping with his speed, that's that's not the type of player that I saw. He's more of a crosser, and then Yak will kill you with his acceleration and. Yeah. Um, vector moves and change of direction he's he's gonna have to be kind of a schemed open type of guy I would like to see him with the Titans I guess as a nice compliment to Burks before I pivot to to Dallas Jesse did you see uh rounded cuts being slow through some routes that weren't curls or drags sure yeah absolutely. And, and perhaps an effort thing in boxing out DBs I didn't see that but I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. Um, he doesn't look like he's got strong technique in a lot of areas. Nope. So he's, he's real raw, but the, the, the traits are in some ways very elite. So yeah. I think, I think the things that he, the things that he's not good at can easily be taught, right. As opposed to a big polished receiver that doesn't have the ability that he has, is it going to, you know, just as a, I guess in some ways you can compare him to Quentin, I mean, to Christian Watson, although I think they're very different players. They're, they're, they're just not built the same way. Mm -hmm. So I was actually, uh, when I pivot to Dallas, I was going to say you and I don't like him at cost and you talk about that, but also talk about, I was kind of wrong on Watson last year. He was big and athletic and raw he did have some awkward hand things that Jesse pointed out when he was first, you know, in the league, but he produced sooner than I thought. So in your eval of QJ, tell me why uh, I should say, or why I shouldn't say, well, fuck, I was wrong on, on Watson. I'm wrong. QJ. Yeah, no. Um, I guess I don't want to attack this first. We'll just start with Watson. Um, Watson, yes, I agree that he was able to sure up some of those awkward hand placements. Uh, I will just preface it with a lot of the touchdowns basically lifted up his stats this last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some blown coverage. He was what we always wanted MVS to actually be in that offense. He was able to catch those deep balls and actually convert with them. Part, yeah, partly offense, partly Rogers, partly not. Um, that's where I was at with Watson this year. The difference between being able to adjust that hand placement and get better at it is where we saw the separation between two guys, Jesse, if you want to kind of key in on this one with me, uh, between a clay pool and a DK, because they had the exact same coming out of college. And we've seen what happens when you can't switch that ability to catch, you kind of start to flame out. You plateau. That's what Claypool's doing. DK sky's the limit because the athleticism was there for both of them. Freak athletes, same type of deal that you're dealing with Quentin Johnson, but there are some question marks. How can you adjust in there? Also, when it comes to initially your point, when we were talking, Brian, about his ability to round off on routes, that's what I was talking about. He's very streamlined. And for you, Jesse, that's where the athleticism shows up. That's why you see him basically running through and running past a lot of DBs at the secondary level is because he never stops running. He is just constantly weaving in and out. So he's at full speed striding with those long legs, able to really eliminate some of those angles that you would typically have. But I don't know that that's going to be there at the next level. And so that's my main concern with him. Uh, 
for me, prospect wise, I have a guy in the same tier with Quentin Johnson that has the exact same body type in the exact same conference in Xavier Hutchinson, who I think that does everything that Quentin Johnson does roughly the same level outside of that top, top end speed. And he has the production profile to back it up. So that's kind of where I'm at with Quentin Johnson, where at cost, I don't really like him understand the, understand the appeal. He's not my wide receiver one as he is for a lot of people because they're chasing the athletic profile as opposed to the production. But for a guy that just broke a thousand yards for the first time last year in college, really had to focus on him. He's like the only wide receiver really that they had at TCU outside of um, Darius, who's just a deep threat burner um, for lack of better phrasing. That's where I'm at with him as a prospect. Um, I like him. I acknowledge the traits and I'm not out on him. It's just, he would have to fall in a similar situation as it did in our mock right here for me to feel comfortable taking him. I'm not taking him in the top six. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. So wh- wh- where are we here now? 109, right? I think you just picked at 110, didn't you? 110, I'm sorry. No, 111. Uh, uh, no, you're 111. 11. Yeah, yeah, so we took him at 111. I'm comfortable with him there. Yeah, 100%. I'm very comfortable at 111. Makes sense. So what I have to say about him is I, I don't – can't figure out a comp for him because I just don't think I've ever seen someone with his size – and body type with his skill set, right? His ability, his yak ability with his size is unique. I've never, I've never seen someone do it quite the way he does it. So I like that, right? And I do like the change of speed and vector changes. And he's, he's really good with the ball in his hands. He, and yeah, direction you keep using that but he's, he's not a linear cutter no 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 vector changes not yeah. not he's not gonna juke you he's six six right and that's what i mean like he, he, he's, he's not six six he's like six four okay but yeah. he looks long and lean you know with that speed and it's just like i said it's a different oh, skill set <laughs> i could see him I could see him um, sort of breaking the mold of the big slot in a way. Like if you get a big fast slot with his skill set and get the ball in his hands quickly, scheme him up. Uh, that's why I say I like him on the Titans. I think he, he'd be really good. You know, yeah. it put him in a play action offense like that. I think he could destroy people in a different way than Burks. Burks is a, a monster. Like, um, you know, in the he'll always be compared to AJ Brown. Nobody's AJ Brown, but with the ball in his hands, he's 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 more of a I'll wreck you. Where mm-hmm. um, Quentin Johnson's more I'll run past you or around you, not around you, not cutting, but like Dallas says, he sort of weaves and um, vector changes and um, varies his speed. So yeah. um, it's a good maybe it's a good spot, uh, uh, Dallas for. Um, two things one any concerns about him getting shut down in the natty and two um why don't you tell us a little bit like we've alluded to it why um you lean toward production versus projection like you know traits and projection versus like you 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 did it on the field your production profile you know says you know um because that does sometimes correlate to like Mm -hmm. numbers that people like which is you know the dominator rating and things like that so 
Yeah. Um, so remind me, what was your first question? Before shut, that one? Getting shut down by uh, okay, yeah. so uh, Ringo. We'll there. And yeah. Natty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ky- so Kylie Ringo is the DB that was on him for the majority of that Natty game is what I would say. If there's one DB in college coming out specifically in this draft class that I would have said matches up perfectly with a Quentin Johnston, it's Kylie Ringo because they have the same deficiencies. They are not able to start stop as quickly as pretty much anyone out their position just due to their raw size. Like Kylie Ringo is probably 6'3", 210 maybe. He's like a strong safety is basically the body type, but he runs in that 4'3 range. But the thing is they do not have the start stop ability that a lot of guys have. So he was able to run the same routes that Quentin Johnston was running basically the entire time in that natty because Quentin Johnston's not on the start stops. He's not doing quick button hooks. He's not doing in and outs. He's doing linear routes, post routes, streak routes. He's doing long crosses, deep crosses. That's stuff that he's very capable of blocking. Also, a lot of pressure in that game. So I'm not super concerned about the production of that because he was open a lot of the time. Mm. It's just the issue of like Max Dugan just like fell apart. They, they literally sent the house at him every single snap and we're like, figure it out, dude. Wasn't able to figure it out. And that's why they won by like 60 points basically. Um, so I'm not super concerned about that. But when it goes to the other question of projection versus production, I always will lean production just due to the fact that for me, I'm a film guy and that's what I focus on more than anything. Like I'm, it's very easy for me to tell if you are good at separating or if it is a scheme type of separation when you're watching the film. That's something you can't really tell based off of the pure numbers. But when I have, Oh my God, sorry. My cat is being crazy. Uh, When I have a situation where I'm looking at a guy that produced on film was athletically dominating and had the production to back it up on those snaps where he was targeted on those snaps that he was dominating at. It, it makes a big difference for me. And so it, it's just, there's a bevy of different reasons as to why someone could not have a projection or could not have a production profile that meets a certain threshold for a lot of people could be injuries, could be the coaching staff, like what we saw with Damian Pierce and stuff like that. But that's so much more that I, as an evaluator, who's looking at a hundred, 120 prospects every season, basically. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> that I'm looking at that's where right. I'm she's like, welcome. I don't want to like weed through all of this nonsense to try to figure out the reason as to why that prospect didn't hit in this specific situation, because that's what actual NFL teams are doing. And mm-hmm. usually Time and time again, when you see it at the NFL level, the guys that are projections, there's way, way, way more players that fall into that category of like, I'm trying to think of like a, a really big projection people. Um, uh, uh, DGB. Yes. Doriel Green Beckham Jr. Uh, that There's way more of those guys than Throwback. there are of guys like Waddle. And yes, I will miss on Waddle. Like I missed on him in that draft class and I have accepted the yeah, fact same. that I have missed on him, it's due to the fact that he meets that athletic profile. He looks illustrious in the 100 snaps over three years that I've seen him. But guess what? It's hard to evaluate a guy over 100 snaps. It mm-hmm. just is, especially when he was only catching, what, like, I think 47 balls in college, something like that. So, like, yeah, he has a lot of great upside, and you'll see it with guys that are like this. But like I said, with Xavier Hutchinson, 
he meets both thresholds for me. So why would I have Quentin Johnson ranked significantly higher than a guy like Xavier Hutchinson when they're in the exact same league, exact same type of quarterback situation, exact same wide receiver, one target on their own team, exact same physical makeup. And he's catching all these balls. I just, that's where the deviation for me between projection versus production really happens. All right. Um, so would you, so Pacheco was yep. not a production profile. Nope. And my sort of, you know, devil's advocate to you was Rutgers, bad O-line. Yeah. Would, you, would you say that he exceeded expectations, but still proves the sort of, you know, production over projection rule? Yeah, his per snap basis hasn't been good. He has the same deficiencies that he had in college, and it's the same issue. The guy on the other side of that table who really didn't perform at any point, and you can say it's due to injury, again, bevy of reasons, Cam Akers, exact same situation coming out, terrible offensive line, not a huge production profile, didn't buy into either player. Yeah, you got a good rookie season from Pacheco based off the fact that he was a free pickup, basically, in a lot of leagues off the Mm -hmm. waiver wire, but it's those hits that I'm okay with missing on. Uh, it just, just personally where I'm at. Right on. Um, so uh, we're going to end round one. So obviously I think looking at the clock, what we're going to do is we're probably, split it, yeah. probably split this into, into two, into two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're okay. Are you okay to keep recording tonight? And we'll just do round two a little quicker. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so let's, let's finish out um, round one with another interesting guy. Uh, I've seen people hot and cold on him and another landing spot you like that I don't. Uh, yep. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So th- this one is Josh Downs in North Carolina. He actually fell in the first round to the Kansas city chiefs. They took him as a wide receiver. Um, this is more of a situational fit and a landing spot than him. Like truly kind of being worth this spot is what I would say. Um Goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, obviously everyone's going to hype them up at that point just based off the fact that it's Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. But I'll just point out the fact that this offseason, realistically, there's going to be 240 targets and 18 total touchdowns that are up in the air contract-wise in Kansas City this mm-hmm. offseason between the likes of a Michael Harden, a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Jarek McKinnon. So you're looking at the three main passing options, honestly, on this team this season, not being on this team. If they're taking one at 31, that means that probably one, if not two of those guys are not back. And you're going to be relying more heavily on a guy like a Sky Moore, an MVS still in the rotation, one of those guys that you brought back. And now your first round rookie wide receiver. If I see a specific spot that he fits in, you want to call Michael Thomas the slant king, Josh Downs also the slant king. He underneath his ability to separate in between like five to 10 yards is probably the best in the class. Um, He knows where to run in between the linebackers in between the slot defenders. And he's very good at doing it. He also has a ton of that contested catch ability that we lauded Jahad Dotson for last year. And it's not really getting talked about because if you look at some of his tapes, specifically this year, even compared to last year, his numbers were still kind of just plateauing basically the same season he put up this year, but his contested catchability this year was like very, very good. There was probably five to 10 throws where I'm like, oh, that's an incompletion. And then I see him just fully extend with a guy draped over his back for a catch that he shouldn't be making. It was only a six yard gain, but guess what? Hell of a six yard game. That's kind of where I'm at with Josh Downs, where in Kansas City, this situation, he comes in. This means to my, in my eyes, that Juju's gone. Juju just caught 900 yards, 75 balls, and that was with missing a couple of games. 
Yeah, I think if you bake into this mock saying yeah. like, okay, Juju is McCole Harmon's gone anyway, right? MBS yeah. maybe. Right? He's going to be a bear. Mark my word, McCole Harmon is going to be a bear next season. Oh really? <laughs> I I tell you right now, <laughs> the profile of what we're looking for. We're not going to sign Juju, who I would prefer out of the two wide receivers. Yeah. It's going to be Nicole Harmon. Okay, so um, but so let's. So we talk about Downs as being, you know, uh, he's like 5'10", 175, he's listed yep. as at least, right? Um, slot guy, 74% of his snaps uh, from, from the slot. You know, physicality concerns, he finds space and zone well, but, you know, how's he going to do when people get their hands on him, et cetera, et cetera, although he is fast and a yak monster. So super fast. <laughs> like, um, any concerns, though, that like, okay, Juju's gone, but small guy, slot profile, yeah, probably, probably better deep than than these guys, but Tony and Sky Moore are there. So, yeah. any concerns there? Uh, slightly, but he's shown the ability to take the top off of a defense, like we were talking about with that raw speed. Um, it, it's the exact same press and man coverage issues I had with Jahan Dodson last year. Is what I would say. They're very, very, very similar prospects for me. And I saw in his rookie year, he was my biggest buy this offseason out of rookies is Jahan Dotson. That was what I was talking about with Memphis on his episode, just through the fact that like, yeah, cool. All right. He's in an offense that understands his deficiencies. They line him up off the line of scrimmage constantly in the slot. I think like 82% of his routes this year. And guess what? He's doing the exact same thing he did in college that he was mm. extremely good at. So I'm hoping that they understand that that's what they have to run him. They understand that Sky Moore Played outside. Honestly, he wasn't doing that great in the slot this year when he was given the opportunities Mm -hmm. when Juju went down. So my argument would be hopefully they were going to slide a guy like Sky Moore on the outside because he has a little bit more physical profile out there. Mm -hmm. Same separation skills and let a guy eat like a Josh Downs more so. Um, Again, this is more landing spot than where I actually have him. But when it comes to his overall traits, he's extremely similar grade wise for me, how I do my grades as Jahan Dotson was last year. Jesse. Josh Downs. Yeah, I really like Josh Downs and the landing spot is elite. Um, I haven't, I haven't put in a lot of time on Josh Downs, but what I've seen from him so far, I really like. Yeah, I'm, I, if he goes to Kansas City, I'm comfortable with him at the 112. Um, but that's, again, elite landing spot. Otherwise, I probably have him middle of the second round. Um, just some of the things Dallas touched on. If he's if he if he goes to a place that doesn't really understand how to use him, he could be in a little trouble. Yeah, we could see a Wandell Robinson from this year. The Giants misusing him for a large portion of the year until finally breaks out when he breaks his leg. So <laughs> Rondell Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah. no idea how to use him. That's what that's what you get with the smaller prospects, and that's why it's right. like they they have to really have a good landing spot where I'm confident in them for me to take a dive. So uh, the first round recap, uh, Bijan at 101, 102, Stroud to the Seahawks, uh, 103, Bryce Young uh, to the Texans, 104, Addison to the, to the Texans. Although after talking to, to y'all tonight, I, I should have gone with my heart and JSN. Uh, <laughs> Gibbs uh, at 105 uh, to the Bills, Levis at 106 to the Colts, JSN at 107 to the Patriots. So probably we could have flipped four and seven because Jesse probably would have still gone for Gibbs and you probably yeah. still would have gone for Levis. Uh, Mayor, uh, 108, tight end premium to the Packers. Uh, Charbs, 
Zach Charbonnet, uh, 109 to the Chiefs. Uh, um, why am I why am I blanking? Um, Anthony Richardson, sixteenth <laughs> uh, overall to the Commanders. I took him at one ten. Um, I kept like I saw Richardson and I wanted to say Trent. I think that's why my brain got got Trent Richardson. Huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, QJ Quentin Johnson uh, at one eleven, a ninth overall to the Panthers, and then we rounded out um, the first round with Josh Down one twelve. Uh, to the Chiefs. So uh, we're going to split this. And so um, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, for those folks who don't get a chance um, to uh, hop on to the second episode, Dallas, you want to just uh, throw your plugs out there before we uh, move forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Brian and Jesse had mentioned, I am a member of the DWZ family. I do the Rookie Rundown. It drops on Mondays of the Dynasty War Zone um, podcast channel. You can find it pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. Um, I focus primarily on rookies specifically, and I'm starting to heat up my you know area expertise. Obviously, as we enter the off season, I'm going to be cooking up a lot of individual grouping prospects but over the next probably about four to six weeks i'm going to be primarily focusing on the east west shrine bowl and the senior bowl i'm going to be a little bit more in depth than i typically have been over the last couple of years just due to the fact that the number of seniors that are at both of these bowl games is pretty like just outstanding like there's a ton of really good talented players that i like at both of these bowl games which typically doesn't happen so going to be focusing on that content and then you can find me on twitter at salad galore as jesse had mentioned the double l actually no i think you corrected him brian on the double l yeah sorry. I, I added i didn't correct yeah yeah yeah, added, yeah it's a double l i can tell you if you do one l you're not going to find me i don't know what you're going to find probably a salad account but uh yeah you let's, let's hope not tossing salad uh. yeah, yeah again i don't know what you're going to find i'll just preface it with that but you can find me on twitter at sally galore with a double l and yeah it's been great for the first half of the episode if you don't catch me on the second one it is a mistake because i'm gonna be here for probably another hour guys let's go all right right on thanks a lot and uh thanks for listening folks if you're uh uh and you know this will post the same day as part two so just when you're done with this go on uh, to part two